that we have is from uh, Richard. He'll be talking about how humans make buying decisions at a psychological level. I'll uh, tell you a little bit about him. He has been one of the top 25 inside sales leaders. He is also the director of sales training at Sales Hacker. And he'll be talking about how humans make buying decisions at a psychological level. Over to you, uh, Richard. All right. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. I'm going to share my screen. I actually have some uh, slides I want to share. Sure. Uh, while I do that for a second, I'd love it if people would just go in the chat and, and tell me where you're coming in from. Just It's always fun. I'm in the Bay Area, but it's always sort of fun to have a little bit of activity going on in the chat. Keep the conversation going. If you have a comment or something as you hear what I have uh, to share, I love having multiple threads of conversation. We should take advantage of it in, in this world. So uh, let me get over to my slides. Hold on one second. All right, Motor City, Boston. Welcome, everybody. So this is my 4.0 binge. I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate the time. I'm talking fast because I want to get through the content. Um, I know we have questions coming through Q&A. You're certainly welcome to put them in the chat. And the most important thing I want everybody to understand, whether it's this entire blitz thing, you know, where it's binge, is we're always just trying to get better and we have to raise our standards. We cannot expect the success to lower its standards. And I know sometimes that's challenging or hard or frustrating, but we have to do better, right? That's, that's what I believe. So this is my obligatory uh, slide uh, of, of building some rapport. That's my son on the left or my left, I should say, having some ice cream and busting out Hamilton. Um, at the school talent show, we had to remove the uh, curse words, of course. My son, Bodie, who's the athlete and, and a little bit of the goofball, our dog, Lola, and of course, my wife, Kathy. Yes, that's how you can get a hold of me. Yes, that's my real cell phone number. That is not a fake number. It's not a Google number. I'm always happy to take questions when I can. This is a little bit of the brag slide, but these are the people I've trained, and I want people to understand a couple of things. First and foremost, if you're in sales, and mostly if you sell the sales leaders, I can try and help introduce you to people. That's the important thing. There are a lot of these people I know, a lot of SVPs of sales. I don't know the marketing side. I don't know those people, but I can still try to facilitate an introduction. So don't be afraid to, to say, hey, Richard, who do you know? So today, let's keep an open mind. I think that's why you're here. Um, if we don't keep an open mind, we're not gonna get better. So without any further ado, I wanna talk to you about how buying decisions are made. This is based on a ton of research. Um, it's what every human being goes through, no matter where you're from, your nationality, um, your culture. There's always some cultural difference in, in sales. I get that, and I absolutely believe it. But this is still the process that humans have to go through, whether you're deciding to eat a donut that someone brought to the office or a sweet morning pastry, or if you're going to spend $100,000 on software. It's called transactional analysis. And quite simply, it def is defined by three different ego states. Oops, pull that over to the side. And the first ego state we all have is called the child ego. This is our emotional person. This is our emotional part of our personality. When you lose a deal and it hurts, this is what you're feeling. When you start to hear the competition come in and you start to get nervous and frustrated about it, this is the part that is coming through to you. And this is where your feelings are stored. This is the emotional you. Uh, and you can often just understand it by someone saying, I want it or I don't want it. If someone says, I want your software, great. 
that means they're at an emotional level they're buying. If you've ever been through a department store and you walk by something that was on sale and all of a sudden you were like, I got to buy that, right? Then that's your child ego state. That's what's coming through. Now, this is where decisions need to originate. Okay. That's where the idea part comes in, but it doesn't mean anything other than that. Right. And I want to make sure that you understand that that's where it's really coming in. The next piece obviously is, or not obviously is the rational you. This is where you go through pros and cons, pluses and minuses and upsides and downsides in sales. This is the part that gives you permission to move forward. So if you're an SDR and you're asking for 27 seconds to tell you why I called, well, you're trying to engage their rational you. First, they're going to go through this, hey, yeah, I think I might be interested. And then they're going to go through this quick part of, okay, is this worth my time? Right? And so you're getting permission to move forward. In you know, the other parts of the sale, it's, you know, I want to ask you some questions. It's, um, you know, confirming next steps. It's basically saying, hey, you know, based on this conversation, can we set a meeting for next week? Right. And this is what you're going through. And this is part of the rational you. If you make decisions, if you sort of pull out a sheet of paper and, okay, these are the pros and these are the cons of doing something. Maybe it's choosing an apartment you're going to live in. Maybe it's choosing which new TV you're going to buy or a car and looking at pricing and budget. That's what you're looking at. That's what you're talking about. The third ego state that's involved is called the critical self. And it's not critical bad. It just means that there's judgment going on. This is where you're trying to decide if it's good or bad, right? If it's right or wrong, right? If it's appropriate or inappropriate. And this is the one that gives judgment, right? So if you're looking to go buy a, a new car, you're going to go through some level of rational approach. You know, here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. Here's what it costs. And once you start to look at costs, now you're starting to give some level of approval or judgment. Can I afford that? Can I not afford that? And they go back and forth. I'm going to show you this in a minute. So these are the three main ego states we're talking about. Now, this is what it can look like in a sales conversation. You can have parent to parent ego state. You can have adult to adult and you can have child to child. There are times in sales where the prospect may be a parent and passing some level of judgment which might just make you feel like a child, right? Like I'm 52 years old and my mom comes to visit and there are moments where my mom goes into parental tone and tries to tell me how to redecorate my house or put dishes somewhere else in my dishwasher or from my dishwasher into the kitchen. And I'm kind of like, you know, I've been on my own a while, mom, you know, I got two kids and a wife. I think I know where the dishes go. Right. But that ego state still comes in. Right. And, and I don't, again, Culturally, I've not found any place where someone says their mom and dad doesn't still pass judgment. Um, but it instantly forces us into a child ego state because for the first 18 years of our life or so, we've lived in that and we've experienced it. Now, obviously, if I'm feeling that parent critical judgment, if I can keep myself at a rational tone, then maybe I can bring them down to an adult tone too. This happens. Also in sales, let's say it's your, you know, you've gone through training, you're at a new company, you're on your first sales call, your first demo, you, you might 
feel in this child like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this wrong. I want to get it right. So you're already sort of putting yourself in a child ego state, which oftentimes forces us to look at the prospect as a parent ego, as if they have all the control because they have the money, right? So this happens naturally. It's, it's not necessarily something that goes away. And my goal of this conversation is really to just make you aware. I don't expect anybody to master it. I just want you to be aware that this is what's happening. And by being aware, you can maybe calm yourself if you're starting to feel these emotions and understand them a little better. There are times where the prospect's an adult and you're a parent. There's times where your prospect's an adult, you're still feeling like a child. There are times when the prospect is a child and you're the parent or the adult. Oftentimes, go, you go into negotiations, right? You go into pricing and you are talking to the VP, SVP, the person with the budget. And the person says, we can't afford that. We're not, we're not going to pay that much. And off, what ends up happening is that we assume that they're in the parent ego state, right? We assume that because they're in control, because we're hearing them criticize us. What's really happening is they're actually acting like a child. They're acting like a little rebellious child. We're not going to pay that, which means I don't want that. I do want this, but we confuse these things. And so I just want to make sure people understand this is actually what a sales conversation looks like. If I'm talking to one person and they're talking to me, we're all going through these ego states all at once, all at the same time. Right. And this is the part where it gets confusing and you have to stop and think. Um, now imagine, you know, you can start the sentence in one ego state and end it in the other. Like it, it's that it, and it just happens naturally. Now imagine you're one sales rep and you've got three people you're presenting to. Now you've got all theirs ego states of all three people going on plus yours, which is also why I always recommend when you're presenting to more than one person, you also have someone else on your side, even, and their whole role is just to listen because they're going to hear things that you don't hear because you're so busy thinking, right? And that's okay. That's what you want. You want someone there to help you. And oftentimes that person's sort of this adult in the room for you to make sure you get the right pieces of information. I just want to make sure people understand that we don't want this to occur. I'm going to go through one more slide uh, and then I'll start to take some questions and comments and all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much. Obviously, this is where we know the negotiation happens. When you stay as an adult and you encourage your prospect to act in an adult way. And every time you hear them acting like a child or acting like a parent, you've got to find a rational way to get them to the other ego state in some ways. It doesn't mean you always want them in the adult ego state. You do want them to be excited. You want them to be childlike. Even when they're giving objections, they're not actually in the parent ego state. They're actually in the child ego state, in my opinion. So just sort of understanding that it helps. Now, there are two parts to the parent and two parts to the child. On the one side, and I think we've all experienced this, whether it's in business or life, is you have the critical parent, right? The one who's passing judgment. Here's what happens to us as humans in most cases. We rebel. We bring out the rebellious child. So when we share something with a prospect and they start to rebel, that's how I know. When we talk about pricing and they start trying to negotiate budget, they're acting like a rebellious child more than anything else. 
they could be critical. They could be trying to present a rational argument. If they're good, if they're good at negotiations, they're like, gosh, Richard, you know, um, that's just not where our budget is. Well, that sounds very rational, right? But underneath that, they're just hiding their emotions. They're just pushing them down. On the other side, there's the nurturing parent. The nurturing parent brings out the natural child. And I'll explain what the natural child sounds like. I was once in New York City. I was going down this elevator at a hotel and uh, this little girl got on the elevator with her parents. She must've been about five. And she was all dressed up to go out at night in New York City. And she had this big smile on her face. And I said to her, is this your first time in New York City? And she shook her head up and down, yes. And she was smiling big. And you could see her parents smiling too. And I said, have you ever been outside in New York City at nighttime? And she's like, no, but she still had a smile on her face. She was just natural. She was excited, right? And that's what the natural child can feel like. When you show somebody what you do and they're blown away by it, and they're like, wow. Um, or they actually say this when you ask them a question. If someone ever says, wow, that's a good question. That's when you know you're engaging their child because there's something that they're emotionally connected to. And we try to nurture them through the process, right? A demo, you're trying to sound nurturing. Hey, here's what we do and here's how it's gonna be beneficial to you, right? We're trying to encourage their natural child to come through. Anyway, I'm gonna pause there um, and let's see, we got, we got time. So I wanna start and see if there's questions and we'll go from there. Sure, great. Uh, thanks, Richard. I'll just take up a few questions that we have coming in. Is there a canvas or a format of the structure to practice, uh, like the one that we were discussing currently? Can you, can you say that again? My sound went yes. out. Sorry. Yeah. So I was asking that the question is, is there a canvas or a format or a framework that we can practice for this structure or, you know, to take this, all these information in and form yeah. a framework? So there is, I mean, you know, I, I follow a framework, but I also think whether you follow medic or band or neat selling, which is mine, um, these ego states come and come all the time, right? You'll notice it when you go home today and you talk to your significant other, your spouse, your kids, a friend, these ego states just come out. So the goal, in my opinion, is I just want everybody to be aware that they exist. I don't expect people to walk out of this mastering it. Um, you know, normally when I'm training on this, we often sit down and we'll, we'll go through, hey, who's, who's experienced this ego state? Tell me about it in a deal cycle. And we start to unpack what does that really mean in terms of what ego state are they in? What ego state are you in? Right. Uh, so the next question that we have is, how do we convey the right emotions in our communication while connecting virtually? That is like really important at this point of time in the era that we're living in. Yeah, I, th I think you, I think you allow the child through, right? I think you allow the natural child to, you should be excited when you're talking to someone. When you say, you know, wow, I'm really excited to be here. Like it needs to be genuine and authentic. I also think that you need to be authentic to you as a human and to you as your own personality. And these ego states will take care of themselves. Again, the goal here is just to make sure you're aware of them and the most important thing I want people to walk away from is hopefully now that you have a little bit of understanding, you, you, I, I sort of call it giving two centimeters of space. You give yourself two centimeters of space in your head to just recognize, oh, wait a minute, 
I don't need to be so fearful now when they start talking about budget or price, right? I know what's going on. It doesn't mean you're not going to be nervous, but maybe it'll give you that little bit of space to, to move into that rational mindset and to try to, again, present the pros and the cons based on what you're experiencing or based on what your prospect or customer is sharing. Right. Uh, so the next question actually is really interesting. Uh, it says that can we replicate the same process that we were discussing when we have like a, a discussion with our clients uh, between the internal teams? Can we use the similar process when we are having a discussion with our internal team? Yes, I think it happens naturally, right? Think about it. If you're going to ever go talk about a promotion or job review or ask for a raise, we often, in my opinion, we often feel nervous, which is the child which then we know puts them in an adult, in a parent ego state because they, we think that they're in control, right? Or we allow them to be in control. I think this is about what training and teaching is about regularly. I think at executive meetings, you see it all the time. I think so many executives try to assume the parent role and make decisions when in fact, they're really acting like a spoiled child. Uh, now, I don't suggest you call people out on it. <laughs> I don't think you call your CEO a spoiled brat. Um, you can, I'm happy to do it if you need me to. I just call hashtag blame Richard. Um, but, but yes, I, it, this, look, this happens every single place you go. It happens when you go to the, to the grocery store, or the supermarket. It happens when you go to buy any tool, any tool at the hardware store or something at the electronic store. This goes on all the time. You can't stop it. In, even if you're trying to stop it and you're trying to be rational, well, that's still the adult ego state. Right. So we'll take up the next question, actually. So how do we draw the line between following up and pestering people? So uh, you don't follow up. Stop saying, reach out, follow up, check in, touch base, circle, mm -hmm. to, the, circle to the top, bubble to the top. You need to have purpose. And we all know that when we send follow-up emails, we're actually, there's actually an answer we're looking for, which is the, usually it's, where are we in the process? Are we moving forward? Are we not? Right? Uh, when can I expect the contract back? So just ask for what you want, right? You know, I would just say, hey, Guru, you know, haven't heard from you in two weeks. Can you let me know where we are? And the best, this is the best subject line, I think, in most cases, particularly when people get go dark, right, which is often what this is really about, is just to say status update request, please. Hey, Guru, I'm just looking for a status update. Are we moving forward? Um, have we pressed pause? Um, have you made another decision to go with another vendor? Ask for what you want. And if you don't ask, then that's a problem. You know, it, it can often start with the purpose of this email is to find out if we're moving forward. The purpose of this email is to find out if you've chosen me or another vendor. Just ask the question. Now, you cannot, do not say the purpose of this email is to follow up on my last three emails. Get rid of follow up. Get rid of those lines. Got it. Got it. Uh, okay, so the next question that we have is how do you personally analyze your consumer's behavior? How do I analyze what? I'm sorry? The consumer's behavior, the uh, people who are coming to you, how do you analyze their behavior? You know, so this is a little bit of a marketing question, which I know someone asked in the Q&A, is that you're always looking at their behavior. You're looking at 
body language. You're looking at if they're smiling, you're looking at their eyes to see if they're trying to look through you. But again, you've got to give yourself that two centimeters of space to think about what you need to say and how to say it, as well as, you know, trying to figure out what they're doing. So that's the hard part for us as a human. That's why I always wish someone else was there. Um, the goal isn't so much from this exercise to be right. Which ego state are they in? The goal is for you to just recognize they exist. And for you, at least for me, I'm always trying to be rational. I'm always trying to sort of like maintain a rational part of my sales process so that I don't get too excited. I still allow my child to come through, right? Like if someone says, yes, we're going to move forward. I'm like, great. I'm like, I'm excited to work with you. That's my child. Like, that's good. Embrace it. So again, it's just to drive awareness is my opinion. Um, and to a certain extent, this is what marketing does. Their job is to invoke enough childlike ego so that people are interested. That doesn't mean they're going to buy, you know, based off what Sangram said earlier, like sales and marketing need to have the same goal, right? I love that Sangram said that he's a friend of mine. And I love that he's saying, you know, here's the challenge. VPs of sales average tenure is 14 to 16 months. Marketing, 24 months. Hmm. And that's because marketing is not carrying a number, right? If product marketing, if the, in, you know, if the engineering team misses a deadline to get the product out, it's rare that they get fired. They're giving a second and a third and a fourth chance. Doesn't happen when you miss goal in sales. So it's unbalanced. Same thing with marketing, right? They don't, they don't get enough of the right kinds of leads. They don't get fired. They just get to try again doesn't work that way in sales. So I love what Sangram said about that. And, and in relation to this ego state, it, it's all there. Thank you so much, Richard. I think it's time for us to move into the next session, but thank you so much for such an insightful session. And we have a few more questions, but I'll send that to you in mail and probably you can send us a response. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And that's my child ego. Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> thank you for having me here. Amazing. Thank you so much, Richard.